This podcast is presented by Pacific Office Automation, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Learn more at PacificOffice.com. Into the end zone for the touchdown. Hollywood Brown has been spectacular. Connor to the five and into the end zone for the touchdown. Welcome to Cardinals Underground, presented by Pacific Office Automation. Visit PacificOffice.com. Problem solved. Touchdown, Tyler Murray. That defender is in multiple pieces. Oh, that was nasty right there, right? The latest news and notes from the insiders who cover the team. Drilled by Simmons. Isaiah Simmons is balling. Bring it on, bring it on. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. I ain't scared of nobody. Here's Paul Calvisi. I'm going to start with a quote from the great Gardeck the Barbarian who said to the media in response to a question about Jonathan Gannon, what he's been establishing as the new head coach of the Arizona Cardinals, that, quote, accountability has definitely been ratcheted up, and it was a little uncomfortable at first, end quote, Dennis Gardeck. I bring that up here at Cardinals Underground, brought to you by Pacific Office Automation, because you know what? The same goes for Danny Sarek, Darren Urban, yours truly, Pauly Podcast, the accountability has been ratcheted up when we interrupt your vacation to podcast and pose a question here and get rolling as we await the commencement of Cardinals Camp 2023. So get out of vacation mode, Darren. Yes. And get your football thinking cap on. never in vacation mode. (laughs) That's probably true. Danny literally just sat up in her chair. Okay, here we go. You never know. Hey, we had Keontae Ingram on the Big Red Rage recently, and he said that Jonathan Gannon has come, in, come at him a couple of times in team meetings. Like, you Oops. don't know. You don't know when the head coach is going to call on you. So, well, you know what? Fair game. Players or media, here we go. Because here is the question. Envision that uh, I'm the head coach. Danny, we have a what-if question for you to discuss. These are all what-if questions. And, and we should preface this um, by saying that before we started recording – Darren made sure that Paul and I understood this game of what ifs mm. that was sent out in the rundown. And I said, are you asking if we understand this game? Because I'm the one who never understands your games. Like the one about the ACL return and betting a paycheck. And then you said, yes. So, the, so yes, I'm ready because I understand the game. Are you saying you're placing this under the category heading of reindeer games is that what you're saying what do we have i mean is this uh are you dismissing the actual question itself danny no, before we normally, even pose the question normally i don't understand darren's games okay. but so I darren explain to everyone who's about to uh so we have a we have a series of five what if questions okay. that will allow us to go in whatever direction we would like to go wherever the wind blows wherever the wind blows whatever we're thinking for this fine Right, okay. nearly right before camp, okay. not really mid July podcast. Okay, so here we go. We're running the no huddle. I'm going to get the ball to my playmakers and Danny and Darren. Let's go, Darren. In fact, you know what? You, you can start since uh, this is your idea here. Uh, we'll start with number one. That is question number one. What if Kyler Murray, what if Kyler does not return until week 10? Wow. Okay. Yeah. See, that's it. Makes you think a little so bit. So that's past it? Halloween. We're talking early November. So okay. Okay. Here's what's interesting to me about the Kyler Murray stuff. You you figure he's going to start on the physically unable to perform list in training camp. That gives you the option to put him on pup when the regular season starts. And then if he's on pup when the regular season starts, he's got to miss at least four games. Gotcha. Now, obviously, week ten's a lot more than four games, but to me, 
what if Kyler Murray doesn't play until week 10 says to me, okay, now how are you judging him for next season? Because if he comes back in week 10, you're nine games into the season, depending on how you've played, your die might already be cast. And that's one of the first things I think of if he doesn't play until week 10 is, is, is where is this team? What is he walking into nine games into the season? And I think that could be a tough road to hoe. Now I'm on the record as saying he's got to play this year. I mean, I don't, I don't even think that's a, I mean, he's got to play, but then what is he walking into? That was going to be my caveat to follow up was even if the season is already statistically done for, right? You, you already know there's a slim to none chance to make the playoffs in week 10 just from how you're playing and what your upcoming opponents look like. You still need Kyler Murray to play. You still need him to get out there and, and physically and mentally trust his body, trust his mind coming off an ACL injury, especially quarterback who runs and uses his legs the way that Kyler Murray does. He needs to get out there and he needs to trust his ability to, to do that again. And also for this coaching staff, you're right, to evaluate for themselves in front of them and, and see what it is you're working with. This is way too soon to talk about this, and we will spend all offseason talking about it next year. You're going to have the option, if you would like, starting next offseason to get out of Kyler Murray's contract. That's not the point of what I'm saying. My point being is you're going to want to see him play so you fully know the type of player in games and practice and what it is you're working with. So even if Kyler Murray isn't returning until week 10 – you still want him to play. Now, near the end of the season, if that's the case, do you sprinkle in Clayton Toon a little more often? Sure. Why not? But I still think it would be important for Kyler Murray to play, and, and I, I still think right now it's Colt McCoy's starting job to lose. Look, Kyler has not been the same quarterback ever since the playoff loss. True or false? True. How correlated are they? I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not saying there's cause and effect. I'm just saying he. Oh, then he yeah, has, I would he agree. He has not been the same caliber quarterback. I would agree, but now, neither is the team. Right, a lot went wrong last year. You had ten different starting offensive line combinations. I mean, it can't get any worse than that in terms of offensive line injuries. What you suffered last year. So hopefully, when he comes back in Week Ten this year, if that's the premise of this question, you have an intact offensive line you can rely upon. I w- I would agree with that. And I would also say, again, if you're sitting here, and, and this is what I'm talking about, the different tentacles that these questions can have. What if Kyler Murray doesn't return till week 10? And you mentioned Clayton Toon later. Could we see Clayton Toon earlier? Like, I don't think Clayton Toon's your starter when you start. But if you get six or seven games into the season, depending on how it goes, and Kyler Murray still isn't back by then, could we see Clayton Absolutely. Toon earlier? Absolutely. You think that's an absolutely? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. You could. Could you see him? Yes. Do I expect Clayton Toon to be your number three quarterback coming out of camp? You know, Kyler, even though injured, will be number one. I do. I think Clayton Toon beats out Jeff Driscoll and David Blau. Mm. So that's a that's a good one. Okay. I, I I would agree with that. Here's the other thing I'll throw out there about Kyler Murray. And I talked to Craig Grealu about this on, on Cardinals Cover too. Has he ever run a scheme like this before in his life? He certainly didn't do it in high school, didn't do it in college. And we heard Zach Ertz on recently with Wolf and Luke when asked how different is this Drew Petzing offense, he said, and I quote, it couldn't be any more different than what Cliff ran. Have you ever seen Kyler run this sort of traditional under center offense with a lot of play action, the straight ahead run game, 
So regardless of what direction or what the win-loss record is in, ten, in Week 10, you need to get Kyler reps in this scheme. A, to evaluate him, to your point, Danny, but then B, if he's your future franchise quarterback after this season, there's nothing like regular season reps. And whether it's seven games to end the year, a couple of games, whatever, um, you know, yeah, you got to get him well first in, in what the Cardinals are doing offensively. And the last thing I'll say, and that is, you know, he was the franchise quarterback from day one. He never had a chance to sit on the sidelines and really watch. Now, we did the last four games of last year, but, you know, at that point, the season was such an abomination. And now you have this new offense. I think to some degree, it could be a little beneficial for Kyler to watch a Colt McCoy, who has a lot of experience in this sort of scheme, previously in his career up until Cliff Kingsbury, to maybe run it and learn a little bit. There there could be some benefit there. Now, would I say I'd, I'd want him to come back in Week 10? No. Maybe ideally it's one or two games he can watch, and then he jumps in, but... But that's that's a really plausible timeline. If he's on the pup to start the year, to start camp, then to start the year, and then he misses the first four games, yeah. I mean, if I'm guessing as to a scenario when he's going to return, I'd say that that's pretty plausible right there. What if question number two, Danny, we'll start with you. What if Zaven Collins becomes the Cardinals' number one pass rusher? I, I think we can take out the what if. I think right now he is the number one pass rusher, the size and intelligence. I mean, if – you hope that MyJ Sanders or Cam Thomas going into year two can ramp up the production to try and, you know, compliment Zaven Collins in a way. And I say that assuming that Zaven is able to come in as a first year as a true outside linebacker and just be dominant or dominant enough to be a starter. I mean, there there's a chance that it, it doesn't look like that. I still think he's going to be your number one outside linebacker based on the size and intelligence and the rest of the room and being a veteran and a leader moving from inside to outside. So I I do still think he is your number one outside linebacker. What kind of production do you have from that room? I'm not really sure. There wasn't a ton last year. You were relying heavily on J.J. Watt and Zach Allen on the defensive line who are not here. So it's it's a big question mark of, how disruptive are you going to be? It's funny because that question can look so many different ways. Right. Why is your number one pass <laughs> Yeah. Is it because of what he's doing or yes. what the rest of the group is not? Yes. I mean, that's the thing. Is And, and it's also funny, and we're, we're all doing it. Danny just did, was talking about it, but we're all kind of doing it. Like, there's this assumption why why is there this assumption he's the number one guy i mean we've talked a lot about him moving out here but out there but there's no like we've been given no reason to believe this is the guy we're pinning our hopes on well um, his stock went up at the end of minicamp when dennis gardick said he's going to be a dominant outside linebacker in this league and then josh woods the next day said he he can be an amazing player in this league so i think a lot of people started wondering wow are we sleeping on this storyline zayvon collins maybe. is going to be dominant or outside he just linebacker. has some good hype men in the locker right. room or maybe he just looks the part but the only thing i'll say in that equation darren is that you're dismissing the skill set of an outside linebacker or edge rusher 
I mean, it's one thing to have a, a move, but you got to have a counter move. Once there's film out on right. you, I mean, offensive tackles are going to be ready to shut you down. Are you telling me that Zayvon Collins from day one is going to be able to defeat Trent Williams? Well, and that's and I Come think on. that's kind of where I'm going with this. Is like, okay, where is it? And and what what does it say or mean if my J Sanders isn't making a bigger inroads there, or if BJ Ojolari can't do some things on third down or whatever it might be? So, um, I I think. I, and I and I don't want to go negative here, but if to me sometimes if you hear what if Zayvon Collins is your number one pass rusher, it's easy to sit there and say mm, you really need to work on your pass rushing roster. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, and ideally you hope you have a legitimate rotation, right? That Zayvon is being pushed by Dennis Gardak and my Jay Sanders, Danny and. I still think Cam Thomas is more of a five technique, but we'll see. I, I, you know, at 270, he was disruptive though. And you know what? My Jay Sanders snaps were really inconsistent last year. I'm not sure he ever totally earned the trust of of, uh, of Vance, but but when he did play, man, he got his name called a lot by Passion Wolf. I mean, he he was productive. My Jay Sanders. All right. What if question number three? What if Michael Wilson turns out to be one of the top three receivers? You would hope that would lead to being maybe the steal of, of the draft, right? I mean, you know, look, this this is the opportunity for that. To me, this feels different than the Zayvon Collins of, oh, if Zayvon Collins is your number one pass rusher or the rest of the room. To me, I see this as more Michael Wilson. Seems like he has the potential to have that skill set to be the third receiver. And it doesn't really seem like a stretch. I think you would have Hollywood Brown, and then I think you could argue maybe a Zach Paschal. And and oh, Rondell Moore. <laughs> See, this is where the question. If Ooh, he's that was a, one, that was a real time reaction. That, to all the that listeners. was. I mean, but but for all we know, this coaching staff could not see a value in utilizing Rondell Moore the same way in, in terms of size. With we've seen that this from draft picks and free agency signings that they wanted more size, which was lacking in this receivers room. I think you could have something like a Hollywood Brown. Rondo Moore and Michael Wilson as your top three or sub out Rondo Moore for Zach Paschal, who, again, has experience with this coaching staff from earlier in his career. I think that Michael Wilson has the size and it seems like he has the ability from what we had seen, at least in, in terms of hearing from his teammates in offseason workouts of picking things up quickly and having the right attitude and asking questions and, and all that stuff. So I could see that as working with as your third receiver. And to me, it doesn't scream as much like a Zayvon Collins of, oh, that's a problem. Greg Dorch wants to know why you haven't mentioned his name yet. Does he? I mean, look, Greg Dorch has played well when his number has been called upon. But are you going to sit here and and say that he's? No. Right. But, I, 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 but, but he only played when Rondell Moore was not. Right. That's the problem. Or at least it was last year. So the I'm curious, for, who? Can he, for for Greg Dorch. Yeah, well, yeah. Can, yeah. can he? Can, can, <laughs> and can, Paul. <laughs> no, can he carve out playing time and reps along with Rondell Moore, presuming Rondell Moore stays healthy, which he hasn't proven he's been able to do yet. So that becomes a question. What was interesting is Rob Fredrickson on the Big Red Rage had a bit of a hot take when I said, "Hey, uh, no, DeAndre Hopkins. What does this mean for the passing game?" And he said it might be beneficial. Instead of Kyler feeling like he's got to force footballs to DeAndre Hopkins all the time, that you're going to get more of a balanced passing game. We always talk about balanced attack, but just 
defenses can't start and just load up on D-Hop thinking we're okay because the ball is automatically going to go to him as a first option and Kyler's going to lock on to D-Hop more often than not, then guess what? We're going to disrupt the Cardinals passing game by just doubling D-Hop. That doesn't exist anymore. If Michael Wilson's going to be a top three receiver, I would say that is a great scenario. Again, not just thinking about this season, but looking ahead, you're going to have a lot of receivers who are currently in contract years. So if Michael Wilson's able to step up as a rookie and be one of your three receivers, great. I just, I've been burned too many times over the years. Stephen Williams, right? Remember Stephen Williams once upon a time, Darren? Look great yeah. in camp. Yeah. Big X receiver, and then you get to the regular season. You're right. Zero. And I've been burned too many times with rookie receivers. But Michael Wilson with multiple degrees from Stanford. It's, it's what if. It didn't say it's he's going to. It's you know? what okay. if. All right. So there you go. All right. So that was, the, uh, that was number three there in this game of uh, what if. By the way, Jonathan Gannon, not on board. Head coaches do not like any question that begins with what if. Well, that's good we didn't yeah. invite him to the podcast right. then. What if Buda Baker isn't practicing the first week of training camp? Why are you manifesting this negativity, Darren? I don't know what you're talking about. It's a reality check. We're getting you. Are you talking about this question in particular? Yes, this question in particular. Well, I mean, realistically, do we think they're going to come to a groundbreaking new contract agreement? I don't know that they're going to have a new contract at all this year. Okay, so what does that mean? Is Buda Baker going to be a hold-in throughout the preseason? Well, see, again, in that if you read the question, it's right. it's, it's very okay. specific. Uh, right. What if? Okay, what so if he is from, a, from a team, First week of camp. Yeah. First week of okay. camp. So if that's the case, yes, that is starting to become more of a concern. He still does not seem like the kind of player that's going to go and be sour in the locker room. If it's anything like mandatory minicamp he wasn't out on the field he was still in the locker room we've been told he was watching film talking with coaches talking with his teammates you know presumably the same Buda Baker with the smile and the great attitude I would still think Buda Baker would play in the regular season even if he's not practicing come week one of training camp yes my ears would perk up a little in terms of okay like I'm 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 a little more concerned, but I wouldn't be freaking out, pressing the panic button of this means we're not going to see Buda Baker this year. What's interesting about this whole thing is if he's not, he can, he cannot practice. I, it's a few days before it starts to become a finable issue. Okay. Unlike a couple of players who may or may not shall name, remain nameless from last year who were hold-ins, I mean, you can't. Those guys went into camp. They weren't announcing they wanted new contracts. All of a sudden, <laughs> Marcus Golden. They Sorry. just started. Is there another cough, Paul? No. There, there was, just Marcus? There was, yeah, there was one. I'm trying to remember it now, though. Uh, help me out, Danny. Do you have to clear your throat? Who was it? DJ Humphries. <laughs> oh, that's right. And they they didn't say anything. Buddha's got it out there right now. So if he all of a sudden has got a stomach ailment. <laughs> um, Drop some weight on I, I don't. I don't think it's going to be as. I don't think you can dodge the issue quite as as readily as the Cardinals did so, last year. And if it's not glaring enough, just conspicuous by his absence, Buda Baker. Then once you start camp, and you have Jalen Thompson, an unproven Isaiah Simmons at safety, and you care to hear some of the names after that at safety, JoJo Hughes. Javante Moffitt, Andre Shasheri, Kendall Brooks, Josh Thomas, they cut already. Yeah, they cut him. So, I mean, 
There's a lot of unknowns. I'll be kind. A lot of unknowns in that safety room behind the top three. Not so safe. Exactly. (laughs) Right. The the unsafety room. That's uh. So okay, that's that's. Paul's gonna write that down to you later. I I apologize. I didn't want to. I didn't want to bring us down with the negative. That that question. The negative. What if? Look, there's enough question marks about this Cardinals defense in 2023. Nobody wants to see the Cardinals take the field week one minus Buda Baker. Nope. Question number five. What if... Big finale, Paul. What if... Big, big finish. What if Paris Johnson is indeed the starting right tackle? Great. What's the downside there? Well, I, I, there doesn't have to be <laughs> any downside. We're just talking about what if that okay. happens. Okay, right. so I'm thinking... I think it's a good thing. I think he's your first-round pick. You want him starting. You want him starting a tackle, I think. So that's good. Yep. Now there's a trickle down to that. Like, okay, so now what are you doing with Josh Jones and Kelvin Beecham? Josh Jones is the wild card for me. In terms of what does this coaching staff see from him and his potential? Because, I mean, maybe we've talked about this when we were out watching practice as you know a group of us media members watching of maybe there's a chance that this team wants to have four tackles. And if they don't, and you really just want to have one swing, Josh Jones or Kelvin Beecham? Are you going to, we talked about this in the last podcast, mm-hmm. are you going to try and see what you can get for a trade for Josh Jones? Which do you see being more beneficial of, do you trust Kelvin Beecham to play both sides more so than you do Josh Jones? I think a lot of it comes on, what do you see? What do you like of Josh Jones? And also if Josh Jones feels more comfortable on the left side and you don't really think he's a great fit on the right side, well, that's why you drafted Paris Johnson Jr. was to be your future left tackle. You think here's here's the other what if about this what if if Paris Johnson Jr. is playing right tackle, I mean this is a guy who's played more guard at Ohio State than tackle. He played two years of guard and one year of tackle, so he's not in the guard equation. So are you? Does that mean you feel better about who you could potentially put at guard, or is it just a question of you just want to make sure Paris Johnson is at tackle? I think they're looking past 2023 primarily. You have Kelvin Beecham on a one-year deal. so Or is it a two-year deal at $1 million per? It's essentially, I mean, based on the I money thought, they're paying I, yeah, him. Yeah, I thought, yeah, yeah. It's very disposable. So he's your future. He's a future starting tackle. And that was a comment from Jonathan Gannon when asked pointedly by the media, you know, okay, what's he playing? Interior? Is he playing? And what? And 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 he, he he demurred and didn't say much. And then at the end, he said, "But he has everything you need to be a starting tackle in this league." That's about as telling as you're going to get out of Jonathan Gannon this offseason, in terms of positions and answering questions like that. So, again, I've said this repeatedly. It's a trend. Seattle started rookie tackles. He had the Giants starting Evan Neal, seventh overall out of Alabama, and he started the whole year. He's bookend with Andrew Thomas. That solidified that Giants offensive line. I think the Cardinals have designs on doing exactly the same thing. I think they have enough candidates to start at left guard. Josh Jones could be one of them, although I got a lot of varying opinions as to whether he's a guard at all because you know our opinion at this time last year was, well, maybe his future since he loves the left side and he's only good on the left side is to be as a left guard, but there are a lot of people who don't think at six foot seven he's just viable. And in, in his one year that he played, got a lot of starts at right guard, did not go well. No. So, thing is, to Danny's point, he's a viable trade candidate because it's a contract year. 
can you get something in return for him, especially if Kelvin Beecham is the better swing tackle candidate? My fear would be you cut him, Josh Jones. He hits the waiver wire and ends up in L.A. as the Rams starting left tackle because they are still hurting on that I, offensive line. I do not think he gets cut. That may be traded, but he ain't, I don't think he's getting cut. True. I mean, you you can walk away from him at the end of the year. Mm. Then right, maybe, he's maybe in a contract you, maybe year, you yeah. keep him and At the very Calvin least, Beecham. he's on this roster, yeah. Right. I mean, the one so. thing that this team has going for it anywhere is – that's got cap space right now and you're not you you're you're not you're not benefiting from cutting people in that regard you don't need to do that this year so and look I'm knocking on wood when I say this anytime you have an offensive lineman and back injury in the same sentence DJ Humphreys and he was this close to requiring surgery but decided against it and then rehabbed it and looks like it's gone really well I mean DJ you know but but if you're Monty Austin for it Having another potential left tackle on the roster the entirety of this season, just based True. on the uncertainty of DJ's back injury, and how he's in, can he sustain a seventeen well, game season? This will this will make Danny feel better. If if the question is what if Paris Johnson's your starting right tackle, that means DJ Humphreys is healthy enough to play a left tackle. Yeah. True. That's good. That does make me feel better. I sort of morphed that into a what if Josh Jones question. You're right. Let's tie it back to Paris Johnson. It's okay. You're, you're, right. you're known you're for right. breaking right. rules, Paul, I but went, we let it slide. I went off that, so. That's why we love you. You know what? I think our work here is done. I think it is. Uh, I just got a text that you two have been granted your summer vacation, or at least Woo-hoo! to resume your summer vacation. So uh, try not to leave skid marks in the parking lot. Okay? What if Paul Calvisi wrapped up this podcast? <laughs> right. What have we said? Thou shalt summer vacation effective. Right after I say this has been Cardinals Underground brought to you by Pacific Office Automation.